0: What we want to be is a people who read the bible intelligently in one hand and read the news in the other and the bible as we will see speaks really clearly to us of our responsibility to love the things god loves we want to begin with god and god must be the center of all we are and all we do and We want to recognize that he is the creator and recognize his voice in creation so many verses in the bible speak about this but romans 1 echoes psalm 19 which emily read which was uh you know the heavens are telling the glory of god day by day they pour out speech and romans 1 says since the creation of the world god's in you can take the PowerPoint off for the moment if you don't mind God's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from the things that have been made so somehow in creation we understand God his invisible power that's the Bible the news tells us I mean the Bible also tells us that creation is groaning so Romans 8:19 the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of him who subjected it verse 22 we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childhood childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption to Sonship, the redemption of our bodies. The news tells us, as well as the Bible, obviously, that creation is groaning, seriously groaning and is in great trouble, Uh, perhaps even losing its capacity to speak to us powerfully. From the website, The World Counts, which is a really scary website where all the numbers are increasing as you watch. The world has already lost 80% of its forests and we're continually losing them at a rate of 375 square kilometers every day. At the current rate of deforestation, 5 to 10% of tropical forest species will become extinct every decade. Every hour, 1,600 acres of productive dry land become desert. And 27% of our coral reefs have been destroyed. We have a garbage island floating in the ocean, mostly made of plastics, the size of India, Europe, and Mexico combined. Unthinkable, really. And this is in the news. As you know, or may know, yesterday, China's top lawmakers ratified the Paris Global Agreement and with the Americans, they made a commitment to that. And it's a landmark deal struck last November to cut emissions enough to keep the global rise of temperature down to below 2%. That's the goal. And. BBC environmental analyst Roger Harabin says this, China's decision is a big step towards turning the Paris Climate Agreement into reality. But even if another player step forward to make the Paris deal, law, huge challenges lie ahead. So we just want to embark on a conversation over the next four Sundays with the Bible in one hand and perhaps the news in the other, on this subject. And I want to invite you to come with us. We're also going to study this in our pastorates, and I encourage pastorate leaders to opt to do this study in this term. A few weeks ago, I spoke from this platform on, on emotional health, an emotionally healthy church. I've never had so many emails in response to a talk, incidentally. But tonight, I want to talk about planetary health which I believe is part of the emotional health of the church. You won't hear about this very often in evangelical churches, but as I say, please come with us on this journey. You may be one who thinks this isn't very urgent, that spiritual things are more important, but I would say this is spiritual and biblical. You may think this is the uh, politically correct order of the day, but I want to say that this church, St. Aldate's, has for 30 years pursued this goal, inventing 30 years ago a uh, um, a charity called SAGE, which is St. Aldate's Group for the Environment. And then it lost contact with St. Aldate's, as some of these groups do, But 10 years ago, we had the first of our eco-interns. And you can be an intern working towards making our church a kind of ecologically strong, prophetic church, for example. So we're not responding to what's politically correct. We feel this is of vital importance to Christians. You may say, Jesus is coming back, and I want to live in the light of heaven and the second coming. I want to live eschatologically And I want to say this subject is deeply eschatological. When Christ returns, arguably, he may say, and what have you done? How have you stewarded this beautiful, perfectly balanced miracle of creation that I placed in your care? C.S. Lewis uh, says this in Mere Christianity, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this world. So this is eschatological. Why should Christians think about this subject? Well, I wanna give at least four good reasons for it. Firstly, love. Christians believe God made the world, when we make something, whether it's as life-changing as a baby, or even a sketch or a drawing, we care about what happens to our creation. And that might help us to understand that God cares deeply about his creation. The Bible makes this really clear in lots of passages, for example, Psalm 50, 10, and 11, where God says, "'Every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. So studying, thankfully enjoying, caring for this world that God has wonderfully made is a really good way of showing our love for God. Secondly, obedience. Christians are called to obey God in every part of their lives. In the Bible, we find the first words to man and woman were that they would rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures, in a way that reflects God's own image, not just God's power, but his unselfish love and mercy and tender compassion. Tragically, our rule has often been characterized by cruelty, greed, indifference, short-sightedness, And this clearly was not God's mandate to humankind. So obedience, if we wanted to obey God, we want to look for ways to be good and responsible towards the natural world. Thirdly, justice. It's a very popular subject, justice. We will often give altar calls here for people who want to get involved in justice works. And I want to say tonight, it's often the poor who suffer first when the environment is damaged through deforestation or pollution or desertification or climate change or the unsustainable extraction of raw materials. And the Bible shows God is passionate about justice, you know. What does the Lord require of you to seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God? And God's people are encouraged to challenge oppression. And lots of people who work for development and aid agencies address biodiversity and conservation and justice for the poor as some things that go hand in hand. It's a false division to say you have to choose one or the other. You have to choose both. And then, fourthly, hope. Those who care for the environment are often... uh, discouraged, the news is often really disturbing, the destruction of forests, disintegration of coral reefs, forecasts that can cause us to wonder if there's any point even trying to take action, although in the global leadership conference going on today, there is that call to action. But there is often despair. But in contrast, the Bible speaks about hope. It's not a simplistic optimism, the Bible is realistic about creation groaning and destruction and things getting much worse, but that is never the last word. The Old Testament prophets Isaiah and Hosea foretell a time of human and environmental harmony. In the New Testament, Jesus is described not just as the saviour of fallen humanity, but as the one for whom all creation was made. And as the one through whom all creation will one day be liberated from its bondage to decay. And we don't know how this will happen, uh, but we're given motivation and hope. So those are four reasons. Howard Snyder in his book, Salvation Means Creation Healed, says this in it, or I paraphrase, The Bible promises the renewal of all creation, a new heaven and earth, based on the incarnation, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God tonight for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And incidentally, I sense that tonight is a night of hope for many. And as we minister at the end of the service, I will call and speak into that. But... For centuries this promise has been sidelined or misunderstood. The Bible tells the story of broken and restored relationship between God, people and the land, not just between God and people. God will renew the earth and the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. This is the full gospel and it has the power to heal the church's long theological divorce between earth and heaven. And Jesus' ultimate healing of all creation is the great hope and promise of the gospel. And Jesus is calling the church. I spoke about emotional health, and I believe it passionately. It's so needed today in the evangelical church. But he calls the church to be his healing community now through evangelism, discipleship, and prophetic mission, including care for the planet. Okay? Are you with me? Are you uh, keeping up? Now I'm just gonna uh, give four simple points from the text we read out, and you can put the PowerPoint up so that we can go a bit quickly through them. First of all, creation is good. Do you love it? This is a picture of my grandson who I took to see some of creation in our city. I wonder if you can guess where this was, you know? That was something we fed insects to, and these plants snaffled them up, much to my grandson's delight. And uh, but round the corner, there was this and this, and these amazing huge sort of trays. And uh, where do you think that was? The Oxford Botanical Gardens, of course. How many people have been there? Oh. Many more than I expected. I was preparing to say shame on you at that point. (laughs) Anyway, it's the oldest botanic garden in Great Britain, the oldest scientific, one of the oldest in the world. It was founded in 1621 as a physic garden, growing plants for medicinal research. And today it contains over 8,000 different species on four and a half acres. It's one of the most diverse and yet compact collections of plants in the world, and represents, has representatives from over 90% of the higher plant families, whatever they are. Uh, anyway, you can get a season ticket for 15 pounds and go there every day for free, as it were. It's amazing, I recommend it. Creation is good, very good, and you can marvel at it just around the corner from here. Linked to that, creation is speaking, do you listen? The Bible contains the story of a man who lost everything. Several stories, actually, but the one I'm thinking of, he loses his family, his health, his wealth, and he's badly advised by comforters. And in the end, he meets God. Now, what is God's counseling strategy for a man who's lost everything and has been badly advised? I wonder, how does God choose to be a counsellor? Well, amazingly, he chooses to comfort Job by showing him creation, the beauty of creation. I'm speaking about Job. So in chapters 38 to 41, that's four chapters, that's one-tenth of the book, are given over to epic, incredible diversity and power of creation to help Job, Job. God says in chapter 38, I'm just going to read one or two verses. If you have a Bible, open it up at Job 38. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth? When I made the clouds for garments and fixed limits. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? what is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for thunderstorms does the rain have a father who fathers the drops of dew can you bind the chains of the pleiad and loosen orion's belt can you raise your voice to the clouds to cover yourself with the flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you and say, "Here we are." Do you hunt the prey of the lioness and satisfy the hunger of lions? Do you know when the mountain boats, goats but the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Who let the wild donkey go free and who untied his ropes? Will the wild ox consent to serve you? Will it stay in its manger at night? The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, though they can't compare with the wings of the, and feathers of the stork. Did you give the horse its strength or clothe its neck with its mane? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom? Does the eagle soar at your command? It dwells on a cliff and stays there at night on a rocky crag. Chapter 40, verse 15, look at behemoth, which I made along with you. I don't know what that is, a hippo or a rhino, who has strength in its loins, what power in the muscles its tail sways, its bones are tubes of bronze. Can you pull in Leviathan with a fish hook? I won't fail to speak to you of leviathan's limbs its strength who dares open and penetrate its double coat of armor its snorting throws out light as a kind of dragon is being talked about or a huge crocodile iron treats it it treats like straw arrows don't make it flee sling stones nothing on earth that's its equal a creature without fear it looks down on all at a haughty this is a glorying of God this is God's interest in creation. God is speaking and he's speaking to Job in possibly the first book that was ever written in the Bible is full of creation, especially at the end when things wind up. And then Job said, says this my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. So there's a happy ending to that story. But the point of reading that is just to show the fact that God cares about creation and he uses, in a way, creation to speak. And he will use creation to us to speak. But will we listen? He speaks in what he's made. This isn't nearer to God in a garden, but God's speaking through the heavens and the seas and the mountains and the plants and the animals and the diversity of the seasons. May we unblock the wells of renewal in our city as we stop and look and listen and contemplate and marvel. Psalm 19 puts the speaking creation Beside the perfect law of the Lord, on equal footing, actually, in that psalm. Let's have a look at that. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Are we listening and then it says the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the stone the soul the statutes of the simple are trust of the Lord is trustworthy making wise the simple the commands of the Lord are radiant giving light to the eyes the fear of the Lord is pure enduring forever so Psalm 19 puts speaking creation beside the perfect law of the lord as if they're the same or one must follow from the other why is that it's because the heavens tell the glory of the lord and warm the heart and so the law which is perfect does the same and warms the heart and gives light as the sun gives light and we can learn about the law from stopping and listening and contemplating and caring for creation And in the same way, as we don't trash the law of the Lord, we are not to trash creation. Now, Unfortunately, as we know, we have trashed creation in many ways. And we'll speak of this in other weeks, as Simon and Anita and Mark Brickman come and speak about this. But uh, creation is groaning, therefore, thirdly, do you care? You know the facts, but uh, just to... Reminders, biodiversity is declining sharply while our demands on nature are unsustainable and increasing. Species populations have declined 52%. In the same 40-year program, the period, the human population has nearly doubled. Marine species declined 39%. Freshwater species show an average decline of 76%. Terrestrial species declined by 39%. Someone needs to write a song of lament about this, like Jeremiah did. We need 1.5 Earths to meet the demands we currently make on nature. Sadly, 1.5 Earths are not available to us. We may already have crossed the planetary boundaries that could lead to abrupt or irreversible climate changes. For more than 40 years, humanity's demand on nature has exceeded what our planet can replenish. Overshoot is possible because we can cut trees faster than they mature, harvest more fish than oceans replenish, emit more carbon than the atmosphere can absorb. So creation is good, it's pleasing to the eye and good for food. Creation is speaking, do you listen? Creation is groaning, do you care? And our mandate at creation is we're placed in the garden to work in it and care for it. Uh, Genesis 2 says that as well as Genesis 1. Um, So we would just want to invite you to join with us. You may have seen a visual on the way in which details some of the things as a church we're trying to do. Um, You won't be able to read these, so I'll just say we want... In our worship in this church regularly to use worship songs that celebrate God's creation we want to preach Jesus as creator we want to pray about environmental issues children's church we want to include environmental care material and our use in our buildings we want to reduce energy consumption and so on where possible double glazing it's a bit difficult in here in our use of land we have a little bit of land outside and elsewhere can we use it to be a place of relaxation for our community we actually need a couple of gardeners if anyone's in the room who'd love to do that for us and just invest so that we can bless our city come and see me our care for community involvement in green projects and so on uh, lobbying MPs and um, toilet twinning. We've got some amazing new loos, women's loos. Half of you may have seen them. Who's seen them? Are they good? What do you think? They are completely awesome. They're epic. Let's twin them as another project. Um, Our lifestyle. We want to provide links so that we can do our own carbon footprint and make ethical investments and so on. So this is a, that's an introduction to this uh, subject tonight, beloved St. i it's just a beginning. I kicked off by talking about four things and I'm landing now by just asking us, do we love creation? We're made in the image of God. Will you join with us in loving the environment as God loves it? And stopping and thinking and marvelling obedience will you obey the creation mandate to steward the environment god has made in all its stunning variety and beauty justice will you work for justice realizing that to protect the planet is to protect and care for the poor you know we talk about being a prophetic people this can be one of the most prophetic things we can do i believe that students returning i may be wrong if you are a student already back come and talk to me but i don't believe students today want to join a church that doesn't care for the poor i also don't believe they want to join a church that doesn't care for the planet it's just a kind of no-brainer really it's missiologically vital but that isn't our motive for doing it and then hope lastly as i say salvation means creation healed so will we live prophetically hopefully not despairingly but always working and however damaged our city or our environment may seem will we be putting out window boxes organizing things making our environment uh, a place of beauty and of rest and of healing and uh, this can hit whatever situation you're living in but I believe that uh, it's something that we can all be a people of hope in, knowing that one day heaven will come down. We're, as it were, preparing the planet. The planet. Uh, I saw heaven opened. I saw the city of God coming down like a bride beautiful. And uh, all things are made new, a renewed earth. And... Uh, tears are wiped away and sorrow and sighing comes to an end and we want to do all we can not to for the planet not to be sorrowful and sigh if i can put it like that amen